good people. It's your girl for drinking McClary Easily. Back with another episode of Bum 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 Bum. The people are blunt. So, housekeeping. Y'all already know what it is. We are on all of the platforms. Please check us out. Thumbs up, like, subscribe, do all the good things. I actually read the comments. I actually um, respond to them and take them into consideration. So, if you take the time, I'm going to take the time. Let's all make the time, okay? Secondly, the people's ecosystem. So, you know we have that merch, OG merch, because we're going to be coming out with some new designs. So, you want to go over and tap into that. Also, because we are still Schedule 1 federally. So, CBD is available wherever um, shipping is allowed. And these are our transdermal patches which actually are pretty amazing. I have been using them during pregnancy um, for the, for that lower back pain. Um, and it has been making me feel oh so good. And last but not least, you know, if you are out in Cali, we released our Tosi Treats, our um, THC gummy line, um, which is so dope because it is part of new technology which attaches um, attaches all the good stuff to a protein, which your body knows what to do with, right? So as opposed to waiting for your gummy to kick in like an hour or so, um, usually in about 10, 15 minutes, it kicks in, it's fast acting, and you um, have more of that euphoric feel that you would get from smoking a joint, a blunt, you know, that initial kind of hit. Um, and it still lasts as long as an edible. So, and you keep more of the good stuff. So- if you are in Cali, look us up wherever you go to buy your treats. If you do not see Tosi Treats, ask them where it's at. Without further ado, all of that is taken care of. Um, I got a guess, people. I got a guess. And we are, I'm really excited about this um, because we are merging some worlds. We are merging some um, some things that actually are fitting. Um but may not immediately come to mind. And so I want to introduce Jessica Caldwell to the space. How are you, sis? Hi, how are you? I am good. good. If y'all hear something, they decided to um, mow the lawn at this time. So um, look, we've been in these pandemic streets for long enough, so we know what it is. And we're just going to, we're going to move through it. <laughs> um, so anyway, Jessica, thank you so much for um for being here and coming on to chop it up with with the people um before we before we dig in please just introduce yourself tell us a little bit about who you are and um and where you at where you be i am jessica caldwell i currently live in brooklyn new york it's been my home off and on for almost 10 years maybe a little longer a little longer actually um, and I moved here, I guess about 10, 12 years ago to pursue a really like a passion of mine, which is interior design. And I landed here um, in the retail design industry, which was not something I had planned on. It was not something school had prepared me to be a part of, mm. but um, I was lucky that one of my first professional jobs out of grad school was actually working at Tiffany and Company. So high-end luxury design. Um, and then I moved on to a, a design firm that specialized in retail design and branding. And I learned so much um, that I still 
take with me today. I've also worked um, for other brands like Tory Burch. Um, I've done a lot of other uh, projects, including Bloomingdale. So retail design has been my life for a long time. Yeah. Um, and, you know, during the pandemic, life happened and it, I was laid off like so many other people and it gave me the opportunity to start my own company. So I actually run a creative studio called Folk Creative. And I also teach at um, several schools, well, a couple of schools here in, in New York, uh, teaching interior design to students. I, I try to be the teacher I wish I had. <laughs> you know, first of all, that's so important because when we think about just style and vibe, um, so much of it comes from people of color. You know, from Black, from Latinx, from Indigenous, but you don't often see us in these spaces, you yes. know, in terms of teaching or in terms of actually having the title of um, designer, you know, whether it's interior or otherwise, um, and working with some of the brands that you have, or I'll say the brands that have been privileged to have you. <laughs> yep. Um, so that's big. So. So first question, how did you get into, you mentioned it being a passion, but what drew you into this world of design? Um, I have wanted to be a designer of some type since I was a kid. I thought originally I was going to be a fashion designer. Um, okay. I actually, I moved to New York right out of school. I went to Howard undergrad. Okay, and, thank you. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, and I moved here and I did what I, it was about a year. I worked with a fashion designer doing um hand dyeing, things like that. And I loved working with design, but I did not love that particular industry, like what I was doing in that industry. Okay. And so I came home and went, decided to go to grad school for interiors because it blended so much of what I love. There's this, there is this fashion part of it where you're working with textiles, you're putting things together. Um, and it just kind of lit me up and I knew I was on the right path. Um, and I, was one of very few students who were of color or black in that space. So it was a very different um, space for me to be in, but you have to kind of hold yourself true. <laughs> you have to really believe in yourself. And I never really gave up on that dream. That That's something that's carried me from when I was a really young kid. And I used to watch fashion shows with my mother um, on, on TV a long time ago. And then um, somehow, the universe decided that I needed to kind of blend those passions together. So interior design, and all of a sudden I was working for these like fashion companies and I loved it. It was hard work. A lot of times, as you mentioned, I'm the only person in the room who looks like me. Um, but again, I knew that um, going into it and I just kind of held myself up as high as I could and did the best work I could. Um, and, it, and it's been really rewarding. I think the most rewarding part right now is kind of running the show myself. Um, and that's, and, but I, I couldn't have done that with all, without all that preparation that I had um, all, for all of these years. Yeah, you know, I mean, the, the adversity builds character, right? Yeah. Um, we look forward to the day where we don't have to have as much character built, <laughs> but, but you know, all, I mean, all of these things, right. It's the journey. Right. And so all of these things have prepared you, you know, why do you think that is though, in terms of um, often you being the only person in a space or even um, 
education wise, you know, you're teaching. And so what your student makeup looks like and what it looked like when you were actually a student, like, why do you think there's still that lack there of, of us being in the space when like we got it? You know, I think creative, creative fields are really, there's no guarantee, right? If you go to school to become a doctor or you're studying science and effort to become a doctor, you know that's the end result and you kind of know what that's gonna look like. Creative careers are, you don't know what they look like. I could not have predicted anything in my career except for what was propelling me to move forward. Um, so I don't, I think it's it's a risk to, to find yourself in like in school for design. I'm lucky I had really supportive parents who actually also had kind of atypical careers. My dad was a meteorologist. My mother was a graphic designer. So I was already kind of propelled to kind of go in that, um, in that way and down that path. Yeah. But I think um, I had not seen so many creatives in my life until I was actually at Howard University. So, um, and then when I left, I got a, a realistic view of what the world looked like. Um, and uh, like I said, it was a lot of times it was just me in it. And I, I wish there were more students that look like me in class. There, honestly, there's not a lot of difference between what I experienced in grad school and um, what I experience as a teacher now. The only difference is I'm in the classroom leading it. And I think those little steps um, make a huge difference. Um, and you give some visibility and those students who are in your class of whatever race or creed or whatever, they see you and know that either they're making the right decision or that they can talk to you, that they can talk to you about their your experiences. They know you've been successful. So you become like a, a, a model for what that could possibly look like. Um, and I think it's just kind of the opportunity to, for them to see me, I think is, is important. Yeah, and I think I, I would imagine opening the scope of where um, credit is given, you know, in terms of where it's due. Mm -hmm. um, because often uh, there are things that I still, I'm still finding out, right? You know what I mean? Like, uh, I mean, Black History 365, but we have these, we have these moments where it's like, you're learning about our contributions. Um, and especially even in design, they're like, women, I had no idea who were, you know, who were dressing the first ladies right. and who were, you know what I mean? Yeah. And who um, were very instrumental in the changes, those pivotal moments of like where shapes literally shifted. Yes. You know? I, so, think, I think what's important is just to even bring that up, that we're all still kind of learning. Um, I still learn about the what we have done creatively. And I am, you know, this is 20 years later. Yeah. Um, and I, I love the fact that you mentioned those women who were creating uh, like gowns for the first ladies or bridal wear, because like you mentioned before, they're setting the tone. We just didn't know. And we're, we're there setting the tone, laying the foundation for what is hot, what is new, what is up and coming. And we've been setting it for generations. Yeah. Um, and it's nice because, I mean, I don't often think of myself as being a part of that legacy. But in reality, I am and my peers are. We're all a part of that building on, on the 
foundation that those women and men have laid for us so long ago. Yeah, yeah. And our energy that we bring into the space, you know, a part of um, the energy piece is what connected you and I, yes. because one of one of the things that I've been noticing is um, in looking at consumption lounges or in looking at retail spaces, mm -hmm. specifically in the cannabis industry, um, you have so many that mirror your Apple store, you know, yeah. especially when you're looking at medical, right? Medical, um, medical dispensaries, but they're so stoic, yeah. you know, and they are so cookie cutter, a lot of them, you know, mm -hmm. and without that vibe and it, you know, it caused me to start digging into well, like who, who's designing these spaces. If yeah. there was color, it was more like that kind of like Margaritaville, like that, <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? That, yeah. Like, yeah cartoonish or just really extra kind of thing. Right. Um, and, and from doing research, um, there was one that stuck out with um, Kika Keith. Shout out to, shout out to um, Gorilla, um, Gorilla X over in Cali, um, Crenshaw. Mm -hmm. But I know she specifically, I learned that she specifically used a, um, a black woman to design her space. And in looking at it, it was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, of course she did. You know what I mean? Like, I, can, I can feel it. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it feels yeah. different. So, you know, that's what kind of led me to you in terms of well, what are like, what are your thoughts and and um in terms of design and getting into cannabis? Oh my gosh, I have so many. <laughs> um, I think you make a good point about how some of those spaces look and they are medicinal. They're like, they feel a little bit more lab-like, um, almost science-led. And I think that there's a part of that that is um, important. Um, I think the idea behind a lot of this design is that you're trying to make something that seems at one time that was illegal and illicit seem it's like it's above par, like it's okay. And I think the first way to do that is to make it feel like something that is a, that we know and that we're familiar with, an, an Apple store. We know we're gonna walk in there, somebody's gonna be there to help us and then talk to us about the product, even though it may not be able to be displayed in a way that we can actually touch it and feel it, right? Um, I think what we haven't, and I think you see a lot more of that in Cali. You see, you'll see a little bit more creativity coming along, I think, in, in California. Mm -hmm. um, but I think what we haven't seen is something that feels like a space you really, that is welcoming and enveloping, uh, with the exception of a few, um, or that look like us, or that represent the people that all of this, you know, making cannabis legal is supposed to help. Um, I think um, one of the things that I that comes to mind is I, that, you know, some stores, they're, they're all everything, all the product is under lock and key for the most part. Mm -hmm. um, and to me, there's nothing you can really do about that. So you have to address the, the spaces around it, the, the what's happening around it. It's also making sure you're hiring the right people. And you know what, honestly, I my experience has been that those people are amazing that, that are hired and they are also a representation of your brand, but not the only one. So yeah. um, I, I have been to one recently. It's beautiful, but it's so dark. Mm 
And to me, if you're going to make me feel comfortable or any anybody feel comfortable, I need to see I need to see the product clearly. I need to see a beautiful presentation of that. Um, I think that there are some spaces that are trying to take cues from like the luxury retail market, but I think we can push that a little bit further. Um, so yeah, I, th I like I said, I have a lot of thoughts on that. So I'll, I'll stop there. We'll, <laughs> we can pick that up. No, no, no. Because when you say dark, are you are you speaking to lighting? Are you speaking to color choices? And um, I think the the dark reference is interesting, right? Because there is this like transition of from legacy, which is which some may refer to as the black market, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So this underground, you know, meet somebody in an alley kind of thing and you do a quick swap versus, <laughs> you know what I mean? Versus yes. being in the light um, and being actually at a physical location. So just wanted you to kind of dig into that darkness piece. So the darkness to me is both, it's lighting and color choices. Um, if you are choosing in, in retail, the way I have experienced it, if you're trying to sell a product, you want to, yes, you want to draw your eye to that product, but you also want it well lit. Um, you want to make sure that those colors are um, welcoming and inviting. And, you know, with, Cannabis retail, it's unique in the fact that there is no street, um, like light coming in from the street. It's usually like tucked back behind a wall or some kind of other space. There's, a, there's an, um, a sp an intermediary space there. So you're not getting a lot of natural light. So that means you have to compensate for that in the actual interior of the retail experience. Mm -hmm. So um, I think it's like making sure that you're choosing colors that are absolutely on brand, but also that don't like bring the feeling of the space down and also that are creating a space that's evenly lit so that you feel welcomed and um, and comfortable being there. Yeah. I, I always think about, even when I design spaces, um, would my parents feel comfortable being there? And that doesn't have anything to do with cannabis necessarily. It's just like, would my mom feel good coming in here? Would my best friend feel good coming in here? Um, would, you know, like, I don't know, a, a boyfriend or a partner feel good coming in here. And I think that when you start to look at it from like a human scale, which interior design is all about like these embody, embodying spaces and the spaces that are going to experience that. When you are thinking about the humans, the people that are going to be walking in there, you think about the space differently and you think about um, the your brand a little differently in the way that people experience it. Yeah, no, that that makes so much sense. Um, I mean, I know a couple of things immediately come to mind. Like, I don't like fluorescent lights. Yeah. You know, that that lighting just doesn't do it for me. And then there's always a bulb that is yeah. flickering. Right. <laughs> like or making that noise. Like, just yeah. makes that noise. Right. Yeah, there's yeah. Always one of them that's not quite right. But we know colors have feeling. Right. Yeah. We know you know, the difference between our, like our blacks and our browns and our grays. And oftentimes, you know, what season we wear those things in versus when spring and summer come around. So I think that those are, those are all good points. Um, which kind of leads me to like my next thought, because <laughs> knowing the importance of this, and I don't, I don't know that everyone understands how important it is. 
But knowing the importance of this, that cannabis is this experience and that the culture in and of itself mm -hmm. is very lively and very vibrant, right? Yeah. Um, and that not representing a lot of spaces, it, it, it made me think of like equity programs and how I'll use, because you're in, in Brooklyn, you're in New York, but um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of focus right now going into like retail mm -hmm. um, and cultivation. Um, but there are people who you know, maybe justice involved and or have been impacted in some way, shape or form um, by the war on drugs that don't want to go into plant touching, want to go into some of these, um, you know, these these ancillary or I would say these adjacent businesses. Um, but we don't really we're not seeing an emphasis on that. Right. Or we're not seeing the same kind of um, attention and assistance. And mm -hmm. so um, I, I guess your thoughts on that, because it made me think of, you know, these other areas being kind of like the forgotten, like mm -hmm. these are the forgotten people. These are the forgotten um, um, areas that also need some priority. Absolutely. Um, so when I think about social equity, and honestly, that was only a term that I heard when I started to um, learn more about cannabis as an industry. Mm -hmm. um, but when I think about social equity, I think that, like you mentioned, it's not just plant touching. I think so many of us have been affected by this war on drugs and inadvertently, um, like when cannabis was illegal that we should be touching all different parts of the industry. You should see more uh, designers of color um, designing spaces for, for everyone who is involved in it. Um, I think you, you don't see that. I, I don't see that many people who are doing graphic design for it. Like I know there, there are some companies doing it, but like who's doing the branding for that work? Um, and I feel like real social equity is more than just uh, kind of like evening the playing field for the cannabis industry. I think it's evening the playing field for all of us who want to be in the uh, cannabis industry or who want the, who kind of respect it for what it is. Um, and I think that you should have more black designers. I think you should have more designers of, of color, all types of people designing for this industry. And I think we just haven't seen it. I think we haven't seen our governments, our mostly local governments kind of um, helping us figure out how to get to the table. Yeah. Um, and I, I hope that, my hope is that that's gonna be a next step because there's so many rules and regulations within designing dispensaries or designing consumption lounges or just, just design and, and, and branding and product design, there are unique labeling systems, right? Um, we should know that. And it is so hard to research it. I've, I've researched it, I have tried. Um, and I've, I think I have found a lot of information, but I'm a person that's gonna dig deep <laughs> and fixate on what I'm looking for. But I do think that there should be opportunities to bring us to the table, even if we are not expected to be plant touching. In fact, I. I was trying to figure out the best way to learn how to design a space and honestly thought about like, maybe I should get a license mm. or apply to get a license. Right. And I, but it, I don't feel like I should have to do that in order to learn. Right. Let's, 
so that's kind of, I did not get a license. I did not apply, but I, I was trying, it was really hard to figure out how to learn about what New York was going to be doing, what New Jersey was going to be doing. Um, it's easier to learn kind of like what California has done, what um, Colorado has done because they have been doing it for many, many years. Yeah. Um, but those, those rules and regulations don't necessarily translate to the East Coast. And for the East Coast, this is a, a new industry for us. And you don't really find that many new industries popping up. It's a new sector of retail that we haven't done a lot of. And this, you know, New York tends to be a really big center for that type of design. So this is a really unique experience. And for those of us who have been working in the industry a long time, we should also be at the table. Yeah. Yeah. And and I, as you're saying it, I wonder, you know, how that looks, right? Because New York specifically, um, New York specifically has the card program, right? Mm -hmm. And this was an opportunity for just as involved in individuals to have first dibs at the adult use market. Mm -hmm. um, and a part of that, and, and, and things have morphed, right? And probably will continue. But part of that was also getting, you know, a location that was outfitted, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and so I wonder, you know, how does help look uh, or could, how could it look for, those other industries, whether you are, you know, in design, whether you are in security or whatever, like, is this kind of creating a, a database of sorts of like, here are, you know, BIPOC, uh, you know, BIPOC businesses um, that are in industries that in some way, shape or form touch what you're doing, you know? Mm -hmm. Because I, I, I guess I wonder if I opened up retail, say if I opened up retail in New York, how would I find you? You you couldn't. I mean, it's not easy. Well, I think what New York has done is that they actually have pre-approved a few people to do they this They did work. specifically for, yeah, like through DASNY. I, I yeah. think it was a lot of contractors that they already worked with. So in yeah. terms of the architects, in terms of the interior design folks and things of that nature. Yeah. Um, they were already, you know, pre-approved. But that, but then that I also question that, right? Because, yeah. you know, I would have loved to see um someone like you, right? Like, you know, folks who uh, may have smaller businesses, smaller practices, um, uh, but be able to come into the space. And so, I, you know, the question is, how, how do we do that? I, I think what I would have, in an ideal world, what I would have loved to have seen is some kind of a workshop or something that brings people to the table who want to learn about the, the regulations, uh, the, the differences in design, because it is not traditional retail. Like I can just walk into a store, right? There, right. there are um, like it's pretty much cash only. So that's very unique. And the back of house is also very unique. Um, and that's just with me kind of knowing um, some of the workshops I have taken that are cannabis related, but not necessarily design related. Um, and I think it would be nice to be at the table for some, well, if somebody would bring us to the table and say, here is some information on that. It's hard to find that information. Yeah. Um, it, it would be nice to have a list of designers or even it, it, I would love for it to be BIPOC designers specifically um, 
I think just to have small businesses, small design firms like me, just like be on a list who are also pre-approved. Yeah. Um, the, the contractors I've seen, they're big. I mean, they're, they're bigger than I am. Um, but that doesn't mean I don't have the same amount of experience that they have. Right. So I think I, what I would have loved to see are some of those, um, some kind of sponsored workshop that does tell me about like, what goes into designing a dispensary. Um, a lot of what I've learned has just been like digging deep online, asking people, going to other workshops, uh, learning about social equity programs and asking people there. And, and I think that's a smart way to do it, but I, I think that it doesn't have to be hard in addition to being smart. <laughs> you know, it can, it can, there can be a place for all of us to be a part of the industry. And I think the other part of that is like, just because you bring us to the table and we're well-informed doesn't mean everybody is going to want to do those projects. Some people are going to go and say, oh, you know what, that's a lot of work. And some of us are going to be like, it's a lot of work, but I think I'm down to learn. Um, but I think that there's some steps that would be great to bring more people to the table and in workshopping is just one of them. Um, yeah. yeah. Or even a call. Like I don't really, I don't remember even seeing a public uh, pre-approval call or like apply here. I'm, and I, I think I'm pretty, um, you know, I, I'm pretty savvy about following that, that line of thinking and stuff. So. No. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think what I'm taking is that there needs to be a calling in Yeah, and allowing folks to, opt in or opt out, but at least have the opportunity. Um, and for there not to be this assumption that, you know, that quality or expertise or any of that is um, associated with size. Yeah. You know? I think the other part of it is, even if you bring us to the table, I think the other part is informing those small businesses who are gonna be plant touching, how much square footage they're going to need to be a retail space or to be a lounge, um, because that's also very unique. And I think if we're at the table together, then we're also learning together. We're building relationships together, but that yeah. just hasn't happened yet. And, you know, okay, that just made me think of, um, because there are things that you as a designer, that you're going to think about that, our regulators are not thinking about um, that retail operators or or whatever whatever place they fall on the supply chain, right? That they may not think about, right? Mm -hmm. So even in um, even in the design, you know, kind of phase, like before work is actually done, it's having those conversations, having access to people such as yourself to have conversations about, um, about those particulars, yeah. right. Which can totally change, you know, lay out and totally change how they may want to go about some things just because they're not thinking about it. I, you know, I, I think about, I'm not a visual merchandiser per se, but I definitely go into retail spaces thinking about how things are merchandised and where they're put, um, where they are in the store and how they're laid out. Yeah. I, I, it used to be a joke with my friends that they thought that I was coming over to judge their homes. And I was not because I did not care. But if I go into a store or oh, I'm judging any type of retail, I judge 
I'm harsh. I would be the friend that's like, girl, come judge. Um, <laughs> listen, this is the couch I'm thinking about. What you think? I, I'm happy to help, but look, I, I, you know, if you go experience your friend's home, you just kind of want to be with them, right? But yeah. if I go to a store and I'm spending my money, yes, that I worked really hard for. Oh, I'm. I want things to be as perfect as they can be. Yeah. Um. So I go in and I and I look at um the fixtures that they have and and the lighting and the color and like is there a space for me to sit or you know like those kind of things which i think if you're just kind of like designing a space you don't necessarily and and you're coming to market and and thinking about a your space as a um cannabis retailer you might not think about those things you might not think about like where you want to put a particular product in relation um what what does your store feel like? Is there something that can make you feel comfortable here? Can I can I sit some can I sit somewhere and talk to yeah. somebody? That kind of thing. Yeah. And what's the return on investment? Because I know in right. terms of homes, right? Like, look, a lot of times um, these operators have limited budgets. Yes. So it is hard out here um, in this fun in these fundraising streets. You know, in terms of these. <laughs> And that's just not, that's not just cannabis. That's, that's everywhere. All, that's everywhere. Right. So like everywhere, um, everyone is working with these limited amount of funds and they're trying to figure out, you know, what all do I have to do versus what I may want to do and, you know, and, and what makes the most sense and how do I prioritize? But I think about, um, what you just said made me think about, um, home. Because we know that if you're going to reinvest in your home, there are some things that can price you out of your neighborhood. There are some mm -hmm. things that you'll definitely get that like resale value. So like everyone knows doing kitchens and bathrooms, right. you yeah. know, it's always, it's always like a Do thumbs it. up yeah, yeah. in terms of the retail space. This is not something I'm familiar with in terms of the retail space though. Is there a same kind of rule that applies in terms of like this little bit here, like just doing like changing this or making this um, a certain way can make a world of difference? I think you want to. I I don't know. This is the exact answer, but I think what comes to mind is making sure that everything within a consumer's eye level is uh, aesthetically pleasing. That could be the wall. Um, that could be most people look down. It could be the floor. <laughs> it could be your fixtures. Things that people really do interact with um, at kind of like your eye level um, okay. seem really important to me. Um, that's I mean I think that's why I'm always surprised at the design, the fixture designs. Um, I think that's why you see so many of these kind of like long table Apple Store kind of things because I think it's. It's simple and easy. It's not exactly exciting to see or um, fancy in a way, but it definitely kind of like keeps your eye at a certain level the whole time. Um, and I think that's that why some hotels have like really ugly carpet because they don't want you looking at the floor like they want you looking, looking at, at the walls or. So, yeah, I think when you well in hotel hotels are a whole beast um, in and of themselves. And okay. but I think they look at they. A lot of times, carpet in hotels is custom. 
So, I mean, depending on the hotel you go to. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, motel six here and then like that. Yeah, yeah. Depending like, on, it, it often is custom, but I, it, the thing about it is most hotels have really heavy traffic. So I, this is just like a, a nerd part of me. So the way some of those colors are rendered might not be exactly because of the material that makes up the carpet. So that's like a whole nother. Okay. So you just, you just, you just geeked out. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I can't help it. I, it happens. But, um, but I, I think that like, there are times when they don't necessarily want you to spend too much time looking at the floor. So things yeah. can kind of work to like draw your eye back up. One of the things that I often tell like young designers is you want to make sure that your eye moves around the room. Yes. So, and if I'm designing a space, I want to see that there's this product over here and oh my gosh what's that back there it's a journey so you want to make sure that people are walking around the whole store yes. and I think when you go into some cannabis uh, dispensaries there's all this tech and the tech stops you from experiencing the store and tech is fine tech is the way we live today but like you're you are faced with tech before you even experience the store Mm. And if I'm going to look at my something that reminds me of my phone or my iPad or my laptop, I can just do that from home. So what okay, so that's just a, you just drop something. Hey, people, <laughs> free. Just, just drop something here for you. <laughs> that's just I mean, I can do it on the phone. I do shop on my phone, but there's something that brings me into a space. There's there's the experience of the brand's promise that brings me into a space to experience that okay just hey what can i say the brand's promise and this is why it's so important right like this is why it's important to have um to have us present yeah. right to have people like you present because there are definitely things that you're going to bring to the table um that that may not be yeah. That may not be otherwise. Yeah. So that's so dope. Jessica, um, <laughs> I appreciate you. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you. On. Thank and you for having me. Absolutely. I, I need to recap a couple of these gems, though. Like a couple of the gems are like, hey, people. Um, yes, we are in tech, IG, TikTok, all that kind of stuff. But people are coming to cannabis spaces. People are coming um, for an experience, yep. right? And so make sure you allow them to have that intimate experience prior to being, you know, overwhelmed or met with technology. Um, I know we all want to be efficient, but, you know, sometimes, I won't even say sometimes, I'll still say like the people's touch is still golden. Yeah. And then the the promise. Yeah, yeah. That promise, promise is everything. Yeah, the promise. And then in terms of our officials, our regulatory bodies and 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 people who fall into that realm, um, expand the scope. You know, let's not forget these other um, amazing people who are out here who you need because like we don't know everything. Like I don't know what you do. So if I'm advocating for something, I may not, I may miss the, I may miss the ball. I'm going to miss it. Right. Cause this is not in my wheelhouse at all, which is why we need, we need multiple voices. We need many people from different walks at the table 
to say, hey, don't forget about this. Don't forget about this. And this is also important. Yeah. 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 Um, anything you want to leave the people with, Jessica? I got, oh, let me, let me plug this. To so stay connected. Here we go. Folk creative, y'all. Folk with an E. Yep. Holla at her. Um, I think the the best thing that you, you just said was the part about the people. Yeah. And that's really what you want to remember. And that's also part of why I named my business Folk Creative, because it's like our stories, people's stories. And when you are designing a space, you're bringing your brand story to life. And I think that's the most important thing to remember. I mean, there, there's always going to be financial things and, and uh, you know, real estate things, but you have to remember why you're doing it, what your story led you here. And I think if you remember that, you can't make that many mistakes at all. Jessica Caldwell, once again, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for coming on The People Are Blunt. Um, Y'all, stay blunted and also advocate. We need to advocate for us. We have to advocate for ourselves. And so when you go into spaces, ask who designed, you know, mm -hmm. ask what's going on, ask about the brands, ask about those things. When you're at these meetings, um, talk about it, right? Because we have an opportunity here, right? We have an opportunity and uh, we need people like Jessica involved. So until the next time, stay blunt, y'all.